I am back in the chair, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for hanging in there with me. I was gone last week due to some personal reasons, but we are back and we are here to talk about sports. Welcome to the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. I'm your host, James Timberlake. If you're listening, you could be listening anywhere you want on your phone, uh, on your web browser, Spotify, Apple, over on sharedmedia.com, you name it, podcastwyoming.com. We have it there as well. Wherever you want to listen to this podcast, you can listen to it there. So make sure if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or what have you, make sure to go ahead and uh, give me a, a rating if you would not mind. And make sure you hit that subscribe button so you do not miss another chance, another time uh, that I post. Or if I'm gone or something like that, maybe I'll put a, I'll put updates on there or something like that. You know, that sort of thing. So um, make sure you subscribe and rate. And I really appreciate that. If you give me a rating, um, kind of helps me get my my name out there into the into the more trending section, if you will. So I'd appreciate that. And uh, yeah, welcome to the weekend sports rep podcast. This week we've got some. It's finally we're finally back. It's it's you know late July, so kind of you know leaking some some stuff leaking to talk about. If that makes sense, we're leaking a little bit to talk about. Um, but but this week we finally begin NFL training camp, and that means we've got storylines from NFL training camp. Uh, all the teams, all 32 teams, um, will be uh, starting their training camp this week across the league. Uh, over 2,800 players, 90 per roster, will compete for jobs uh, as each team trims their depth chart down to 53 by week one. That's 1,700 players. It's practice, but it means a lot more than uh, than than that for all the guys that are fighting for a roster spot. But we have some key storylines that are coming up for training camp. First one that we're going to talk about, we've got some quarterbacks in new places. So we're going to talk about training camp first. So I'll just give you a quick summary. We're going to talk about training camp first. And then we're going to talk a little bit about MLB uh, trade deadline that is coming up. And um, that's kind of the biggest other than NFL training camp starting. It's kind of the other biggest thing that's going on in the sports world right now. So NFL training camp and we got uh, MLB trading trade deadline. We're going to get into some of that. But first, let's start with training camp. So the big couple things. Big storylines heading into training camp. QBs, we have new quarterbacks in new places. Couple quarterbacks, five quarterbacks from 2021 will take the practice field this week with new teams. Uh, five signal call. The five signal callers are. Let's start with the big one here, especially for this podcast, the Sheridan Wyoming podcast. Russell Wilson. He'll be playing with the Broncos. He is coming off of a okay season. He dealt with some injuries last year, but he had a. Uh, he had uh, he attempted uh, 486 passing snaps. He had 400 attempts officially. He had 3,113 yards, 25 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Still a very good year, even though it was lingered a little bit by injury. Um, he had a 73.9 overall grade from PFF, but the year before, back in 2020, he was outstanding. He had 558 attempts. That was tied for seventh in the league in 2020, 4,212 yards. That was ninth in the league. And he had 40 touchdowns tied for second and 13 interceptions tied for third in the league. And he had a 90.3 overall grade from PFF, an 88.6 passing grade. One of the highest graded quarterbacks in the league um, for um from PFF, if you will. Um, and he's going, he's, he's a little bit aged out, but again, Depending on who you are, the age, I mean, look at Tom Brady, the guy's 45, you know, going into God knows how how long, how much longer he can keep doing this. Um, but Russell Wilson, he's 33 years old, so still maybe a little bit older, but there are a couple guys that are obviously older than him. He still he hasn't looked like he's slowed down all that much other than his injuries last year. And uh, this team, 
feels like the Broncos, we've been saying this for a while, feels like they've kind of been a quarterback away, and that's something that's pe- that people have said a lot. They've been a quarterback away for, what, the last two or three years now, and it feels like um, GM for Denver, John Elway at the time, was kind of just scrambling to find that quarterback, and that's why there's been so much quarterback turnover for the Denver Broncos. And now, finally, it looks like they have found their guy in Russell Wilson. And if Russell Wilson can just bring a shred of what he brought in 2020 for the Seahawks, then this Broncos team should be able to really make a push. Even though the AFC West is as hard as any division in the in the league um, right now, with the Chiefs still being the Chiefs, the Chargers look like they're only going to get better with Justin Herbert behind center, and the Raiders made some moves with Devontae Adams now um, at wide receiver, and uh, their you know front seven looking like they're going to be as good as any front seven in the league. Um, it looks like the AFC West is going to be as hard as any other division in the league. But nonetheless, Russell Wilson solves a lot of those problems that the Broncos have had in recent years. So if he can bring a shred of what he brought in 2020 and then, you know, multiply what he had into 2021, then the Broncos are definitely going to be able to, um, should be able to at least fight for the top of this division in the AFC West. Um, the offensive line for the Broncos has given problems, um, but hopefully that's shored up a little bit with a couple of draft picks and then some guys signed in free agency and stuff like that. Um, but we'll see what happens. They also have a new head coach, um, Nathaniel Hackett, who comes in as a former offensive coordinator. It looks like they're trying to, the Broncos are trying to go in a more offensive, uh, offensive minded head coach instead of a defensive head coach who they had before in Vic Fangio. Um, he comes in, Nathaniel Hackett comes in as the former offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers for the last three years from 2019 to 2021. Before that, he was in Jacksonville as the offensive coordinator. And before that, he was in Buffalo as the offensive coordinator as well, going back to 2013. So that's their new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. We'll see what he can do. Hopefully, and you know, if you're coaching Aaron Rodgers as the offensive coordinator, if you're making the play calls, you know, be that as it may, even if he wasn't really being uh, making the play calls and that sort of thing. Um, in Green Bay, you have to at least think he knows what uh, somewhat what he's doing with a guy like Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback and him, you know, from 2019 to 2021 kind of coordinating him. So you got to think that the Broncos offense at the very least is going to be upgraded uh, at least a little bit. You'd think at least a little bit, especially with Russell Wilson under under center instead of, you know, Drew Locke um, and Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach with a much more offensive mind, uh, offensive oriented mindset, then you got to at least think that uh, the Broncos should be able to take that leap. So we'll see what happens there. But that's that's a big quarterback move. That was probably the biggest move of the offseason in terms of trade. Um, the Russell Wilson coming over to the Broncos from Seattle, Drew Locke going over to Seattle with a couple other guys um, in the offseason. So that was probably the biggest the uh, the biggest move in terms of trades, uh, there's a couple other guys. Matt Ryan, he went over to the Colts. He was a huge, huge, port, uh, probably the best um, quarterback that the Falcons have ever had. I don't think I'm really going outside of my range for saying that. He's probably the best quarterback the Falcons have ever had, the best quarterback in their franchise's history. Um, he's had, he had an up-and-down season last year, but he was pretty good for the most part. Uh Former MVP as well. Uh, he had 560 attempts last year, which was 11th in the league. 3,968 passing yards, which was 11th in the league. And 20 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. Uh, wasn't outstanding, but it feels like that team is kind of... That franchise has kind of struggled ever since um, the 24... 20, 27-3? Is that what it was? I can't remember that now off the top of my head. Uh, the 27-3 game back in the Super Bowl. 
feels like they have really struggled to kind of put anything around Matt Ryan, and that's why he struggled for so long. But he's still pretty solid quarterback, in my opinion. I really don't. I mean, he's a little bit older. He's 37 years old. Um, but back, you know, as recently as 2018, the guy had 608 attempts for almost 5,000 passing yards, 35 touchdowns to seven interceptions. So I don't think he's that far removed from having a really good, being a really good player. And again, he's another one of those guys, uh, but the Colts are another one of those teams that feel like they're, they've been kind of a quarterback away. They had, um, you know, uh, when Andrew Luck left, they left a lot on the table when Andrew Luck stepped away from the game, decided to retire uh, earlier than a lot of people accept, uh, expected. Um, but that team still kind of had a lot going for it, I guess, if that makes sense. Kind of felt like they were on the rise. And then when Andrew Luck retired, it kind of sent them all into a shambles. But they're still a very good team. Solid front seven. Um, one of the best offensive lines in the game, in the country, in the in the league right now with Quentin Nelson at guard, who's arguably the best offensive guard in the game. Um, I think Matt Ryan can really thrive under a team like that. Maybe their skill positions, skill position players aren't the best other than Jonathan Taylor, their running back, who's probably arguably the best running back in the league. He's definitely tier one, I would say, but other than that, their skill positions, such as their wide receivers and their tight ends, maybe aren't the strongest, but um, you know, we've seen Matt Ryan make uh, make chicken salad out of nothing down in Atlanta for a while now. So we'll see what happens there. He's a good player. I still think he's a very solid player. Like I said, just a few years ago, he threw 35 touchdowns to seven interceptions. And then in 2016, his MVP season, he had 38 touchdowns to seven interceptions. He hasn't had the volume like that as of recent in 2021. Like I said, 20 touchdowns to 12 interceptions in 2020. It was 26 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, um, but still very solid across the board. He had 408 completions in 2019, 407 completions in 2020. That went down a little bit in 2021. He had 375 completions. Um, but that was a that wasn't a you know a great team in 2021 or 2020. In 2020, they were four and twelve, and in 2021, they were seven and ten. Um, but moving over to a solid team like the Colts, I think, is a good move for them. And I think the Colts should um probably be the favorites in the AFC South. The best of the other best team being the Tennessee Titans, but they've kind of been on the tailspin ever since, ever since that playoff game against the Bengals where they were kind of, they were definitely favored and uh, they ended up kind of throwing the game away. Um, thanks to a couple bad mistakes by uh, their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. And ever since then, it's kind of been a tailspin. They traded away AJ Brown as well, which is a big loss for them in the skills position department. And um, AJ Brown now goes over to, the Eagles, which big pickup for the Eagles, big loss for the Titans. And I think the Colts have kind of overstepped them, stepped them, overstepped them a little bit in the AFC South. And, you know, even though that that division's not the best, I think uh, the Colts are probably the best team in the AFC South right now. So that was another big move. Colts picking up Matt Ryan, big move for them. We'll see what happens there. Another team, another player, another quarterback, Marcus Mariota. Mariota is coming off his time with the Raiders where he was a backup from 2020 to 2021. He didn't start any games, but he played back up there for a while. Um, he did come in and play a little bit back in 2020. Uh, he didn't start, like I said, but he had one game with them. Uh, he had 10 games in 2021 officially, but he only had one completion, two attempts. Um, but in 2020, he had his one game, 17 completions, 28 attempts, uh, 226 yards. That was all in one game, obviously. So take that with a grain of salt. I don't know. 
how big of a, you know, I don't see the improvement a lot for the Falcons. This just kind of feels like something that's going to, you know, kind of mend the, mend the wave until they can get somebody in the draft. The Falcons kind of feel like they're in full rebuild, uh, rebuild mode at this point. Um, Marcus Mariota hasn't had a full season under center as a starting QB, uh, not even a full season, but hasn't really started a game since 2019 when he was with the Titans. And um, in that season, he had 160 attempts, 1,200 yards, 1,203 yards, uh, seven touchdowns, and two interceptions. And he didn't have a great grade from PFF, a 64.5 overall grade, a 64 overall, a 64 passing grade from PFF that season in 2018, which is when he started 13 games for the Titans. It was kind of, uh, it was a little bit better. It was a lot of mediocre play, though. It felt a lot like Drew Locke. If you're a Broncos fan, you know what I mean. Uh, 331 attempts, 2,528 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions, 76.8 grade from PFF, and a 70.3 grade passing the ball. He does bring a different dynamic than Matt Ryan brought as um, uh, the former Falcons QB. Um, He's definitely a a better rusher. He is a little bit older in terms of the rushing QBs. He's 28 years old. Not that old by any means, but in terms of running the football as a QB, you got to think that that ages a lot differently as a running QB than it does, you know, a pocket passer where, you know, you got Tom Brady who can do it till he's 45 and he's not running around at all. He barely, you know, you could sit him in a wheelchair and he'll still probably be doing it until he's 50. Um, but Marcus Mariota, he kind of builds that ability to pocket pass a lot more than rush the ball. That would, it decreases his value, I'd think, because the reliance on running the football as a quarterback has become a lot more valuable. But, he will last longer in the league as a good pocket passer, if that makes sense. So the dynamics, you know, the dynamicism, is that a word? Let's say that's a word from Marcus Mariota is big for the Falcons. I mean, then it does bring a different aspect, um, especially with, you know, guys like Cordell Patterson, who are still on that team, who was basically their do everything guy for that team for, Pretty much the whole season last year, he was the the Falcons' Debo Samuel, if you will, where he played out of the backfield. He played as a wide receiver. He did a bunch of different things for that team. It adds a little bit of more dynamic. You know, it adds a, a little sh- a crunch to the to the um, to the game plan, if you will, with Cordell Patterson and Marcus Mariota doing different things in the backfield. So, you know, I, they definitely, you know, the Falcons didn't get better. Like I said, they're just going to be in full on rebuild mode. I wouldn't be surprised if they tra- traded Cordero Patterson as well, just because they are trying to rebuild. Um, but who knows? We'll see what happens there. That's another one of the names that moved. Uh, another big one, not for necessarily um, success, but uh, just in terms of popularity, I guess, for a name. Carson Wentz, he moved as well coming off of a season with the the Colts where he uh, started all 17 games, but he was very, very uh, mediocre, I would say, for the most part. He had decent games here and there, but he did also have some very, very bad decision-making uh, decision making down the road as a, as a quarterback. He lost some bad games. He only went 9-8, and eight, and I know QB rec- records as a quarterback is, you know, hit or miss, but as the starting quarterback, the team went 9-8, and eight, so... That's why the Colts kind of moved on from that and they went, you know, towards uh, Matt Ryan in that department. And uh, he also was very bad at uh, fumbles. He fumbled a ton in the season in the just last year. He he had eight fumbles as a quarterback, which is a lot. It's not the most in the league, I don't believe, but it is still a lot. Um, He did. You know, if you look at the numbers, they're not 
terrible, but they don't jump off the jump off the screen either. He had 516 attempts last season, 3,563 yards, 27 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. But he graded a 70.9 overall from PFF and a 67.9 passing grade from PFF as well. He, like I said, he was very back and forth, um, up and down. He had good games. He had some really bad games, and um, it was just you know an experiment gone wrong for Indianapolis. So now. He moves on. He goes over to Washington, the commanders who are still trying to find their way and their, you know, their over their long lasting time of darkness over there in Washington, I guess. Um, another one of those teams that feel like they've been searching for a quarterback forever, even though they necessarily haven't been a quarterback away, I guess. Um, Washington just a few years ago was in the playoffs and they dang near uh, beat Tom Brady and that Buccaneers team out of the playoffs. They were pretty close with uh, Taylor Heineke, the green lizard uh, leading the way there, but you know, kind of felt like a fluke. He played that. I mean that uh, to be fair, that Washington team played Tom Brady and that Bucks team as good as anybody did in that playoff run. That was two years ago, I believe back in 2020, 2019, 2020, if you will. And um, yeah, it's just a, it's an interesting dynamic. I don't know how much more Carson Wentz adds to the team more so than Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke last year wasn't, I mean, he wasn't terrible, I wouldn't say, but he is, you know, uh, an average quarterback. You know, he's an average, the green green lizard is an average quarterback in every sense of the word. Last year, he graded a 59.4 overall grade from PFF. He had uh, 20 touchdowns to 15 interceptions. So there is a lot more volatility to Taylor Heineke, I would say, obviously. Um, So I guess you're getting a little more stability, but I don't know how much more Carson Wentz would add to the win column if you're the Washington Commanders. I think one of the um, something I like to th- I like to say is in any sport, really in any sport, there is nothing worse than being in the middle, being dead mediocre. If that makes sense, you would much rather be the worst team in the league than the middle of the pack team of the league. If that makes sense feels like Washington has been the middle team in the league forever and that's because they're not it doesn't feel like they're willing to you know uh tear it all down and start an actual rebuild you know just a few years ago they did take one of the top picks in Chase Young but he got hurt last year that was a big loss but they still need that quarterback and quarterback is the most important position in any sport period no questions asked so without an answer at that quarterback spot it leaves them still stuck in the middle and they're going to stay there until they find that answer. And that's just kind of how Washington's going to be. Now, Carson Wentz could end up being that answer. It wasn't too far too long ago where, you know, the guy was incredible with Philadelphia back in 2017. He went 11 and two and 13 games started. He got hurt and that was a big loss for them. But in those, I mean, not really a big loss. They went on to win the championship, but still um, for Carson Wentz, it feels like they kind of shot his confidence. Nick Foles led the Eagles to the championship and they ended up winning that year. Um, but that season, just in 13 games played, he had 3,296 yards, 33 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. And um, he was third in MVP voting that year, which was crazy to think about. That was just, what, five years ago or so? So, you know, Carson Wentz, it still feels like he's kind of, not necessarily him, but teams are still kind of holding on to that um, aspect that possibly that part of him is still there where he can come out and be the best player the best quarter, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, which he was in 2017, obviously with coming in third in MVP voting. Um, 
but he hasn't been that way since 2017. So feels like teams are still kind of holding on to them, holding on to that. I would say not a lot of the good teams, the well-managed teams in um, in the game are going to look at Carson Wentz and think that he's going to be the answer. I don't think that happened. That's going to happen very much. You won't see. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, if knock on wood, uh, if a uh, Josh Allen goes down with an injury or something like that, maybe that's something that people look at. But um, he's not somebody I see carrying a team all the way to the title game. The big one, you know what I mean? I said it earlier and I wasn't supposed to, but you know, the big championship game, he's not one that I identify or any of the other GMs identify as somebody that is going to take that team from start to finish to through the playoffs and to a championship. And I think that's just kind of how he's viewed as right now, but neither is Tyler Taylor Heineke for the commanders. So, you know, I think it is a slight upgrade, but it's not a big enough upgrade to, you know, put command the commanders as you know chalk them in as a you know a first round buy team or a, a wild card team that could be dangerous i don't think they're there yet um but we'll move on there commanders we'll see what happens there carson wentz as their qb going into training camp now another one here that is big um regardless of what's going on around him it's still all uh, you know full stream ahead that he's still probably he's still going to play regardless of what's going on right now around him um, right now he hasn't been suspended. So all we know is he's still on track to play. And that is of course, Deshaun Watson. Um, when he does play, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, regardless bar none. It's just the, um, notion of he might not play and possibly won't play. Um, but like I said, when he does play, he's one of the best in the league, regardless, uh, 2020 was his most recent season. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the league in that 2020 season. He had 544 attempts, 4,823 passing yards, which led the league 33 touchdowns tied for seventh and seven interceptions. He graded 92.5 overall as, um, uh, as an overall player from PFF that season and a 91.2 passing grade, which was one of the best rankings uh, that season as well. Again, it just depends on if he's going to play, but when he does play, he's one of the best in the league. Um, and the Browns, if he does play, are one of the best players in, or one of the best teams in the league. If he does play, period, cut and dry, plain and simple. Um, they have one of the most talented, one of the most talented uh, uh, all up and down rosters, I would say, from top to bottom. Um, it's just a matter of if he's going to play or not. And if he doesn't play, then this Browns season is probably not um, something you're going to look up to and say, all right, you know, even without Deshaun Watson, this team is still very good. And the team is still very good. But like I said, the the um, quarterback position being the most important position in all sports makes this a difficult uh, analysis to make because Deshaun Watson does play. Then they're one of the best teams in the league, bar none, period, cut and dry. If he plays anything like his 2020 self, then they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. If he doesn't play, then it becomes a whole different conversation of then it's just on to 2023 where he's still under contract for them depending on how long um, the the uh, the suspension is for or what have you. Uh, they do have Jacoby Brissett as a backup, who's not a terrible backup, I would say. He's led a, he led the uh, the uh, Miami a little bit. He started five games for them last year, the uh, the Dolphins, for the Dolphins last year. Uh, played in, He had 11 games under them. He's another one of the mediocre guys who aren't going to lead you as a, 
as a uh, as a starting quarterback all the time from the start to the finish of the league, a lot like Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke. It doesn't feel like that, but you know, he had five. You know, he had one thousand two hundred eighty-three yards in a two and three record for the Dolphins, so he can get you a couple wins. But he's not, you know, head over heels best starter on your team. Period. He won't be that, but he has a good backup plan. He's not going to be Deshaun Watson though, so I, you know, there's not really any reason to think that he's going to be able to accomplish what you know Deshaun Watson will or can accomplish when he does play for the Browns and um when he eventually does play and he's still young you know the guy's only 25 or excuse me uh, 20 uh, 27 26 almost 27 years old um going into the season so he's still got his prime ready to go it's just a matter of you know if he plays or not and we'll see what happens there I've talked about that previously on previous episodes on the podcast and um we'll just have to wait and see what happens there um so those are the big names that moved on Moved on to new teams. Um, Baker Mayfield, also another one. I talked about him a little bit already. He moved over to the Panthers. We'll see what happens there. He isn't the surefire week one, QB one either. Um, Josh, uh, Sam Darnold already has some time under that offense. So he's probably going to be QB one, at least for the start, until Baker Mayfield kind of gets the playbook and has a full understanding of it halfway through the season or what have you, unless Sam Darnold is just balling out, but nobody really sees that either. So um, we'll see what happens in Carolina. And then also uh, 49ers QB Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo is still waiting a trade out of San Francisco um, with Trey Lance kind of uh, overlapping him in terms of becoming the new starting quarterback for them. So Jimmy Garoppolo will end up being traded somewhere as well at some point during this season, you have to imagine. Um, but he does have a huge contract on hand that will be difficult to get out from under. If you're the 49ers, I believe they have to pay him. Uh, whoever they trade for, whoever trades for him has to pay for like tw- almost $25 million just this season, which, you know, that's not something to bat your eyes at, especially for a quarterback like Jimmy G, who is basically another middle-of-the-road quarterback. $25 million, you have to imagine that the 49ers are going to have to at least eat some of that contract if they're able to trade him away. They're going to have to at least pay for at least part of it for the incoming team that takes him. So we'll see what happens there. Those are the new QBs in their new places. Five quarterbacks from 2021 that will take the practice field this week with their new teams as QB1. couple other storylines. We have new head coaches, a bunch of new head coaches, 10 teams that will start training camp with a new head coach in 2021. None, or excuse me, 2022. None of the newcomers have an easy task, um, but they'll get to start from scratch and rebuild. Those 10 coaches start with number one, Lovey Smith. Good old Lovey Smith. He's been uh, coaching in the um, the collegiate level for a while. He uh, believe he was coaching Illinois for a long time, but not a long time, but you know, ever since 2016, 2017, I believe, or something like that. He's been in the college game, um, but he last coached with. Tampa Bay back in 2015. He was six and 10 that season. And then in 2014, he was with Tampa Bay. He was two and 14 that season, 2012. And then from 2004 to 2012, he was with the bears for a long time. And um, he has an overall coaching record of 89 and 87. He's looking to get his name back into the hat as one of a, a better coach, one of the better coaches um, in 2006. He won the NFC, went uh, to the big game. If you will, he went 13 and three with the Chicago bears, NFC champion. And, um, We'll look to see if they can bring that back. The Texans are the coach that are the team that signed him up, uh, and they'll they'll look to see to bring that back. Another one for the Bears. Speaking of the Bears, Matt Eberflus. Eberflus. I don't know how to say his name. He's a new coach. Matt Eberflus. He is um, new coach for the Bears. He's been coaching since 2018. He was the defensive coordinator for the Colts 
for the last four years from 2018 to 2021. When he first took on the job in 2018, they were a top 25 defense. You know, you could say that what you will, bottom 12 defense. But ever since 2018, they've gotten progressively better. They've been top 15 ever since then, back in 2019. Uh, this is according to PFF, by the way. They've graded as a top 12 defense. They were 12th in the league in their defensive grading. And then in 2021, they were 11th. And then in 2021, they were um, they were graded as the seventh best defensive rate graded team according to pff so that team the uh, colts have gotten better progressively as he was the defensive coordinator and now he moves on to be the head coach uh, a more defensive minded head coach which is something the the um bears love to do they're good def- they they should be a solid defensive team um but we'll wait and see khalil mack got traded away which was a big loss for them but we'll see what happens there and um Hopefully Matt, not hopefully, I mean, I'm a Vikings fan, so hopefully they're not great, but you know, um, we'll see what happens there. If Matt Eberflus can bring the defense back around for the Bears and become the head coach they've been looking for. Another one, the Jaguars hired Doug Peterson, former um, champion, Doug Peterson, as a uh, as the new, the new head coach of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville Jaguars feel like they've been in any... Quarter, uh, yeah, coaching carousel since I started watching football, which was back in you know the early 2000s, the mid 2000s. Feels like they've been in a coaching carousel ever since I started watching them. Um, but now they've got a new guy, Doug Peterson, again champion. He won a uh, won a an SB, if you will, back in 2017 with those Eagles we were talking about earlier. He went 13 and three. He has a 42 and 37 overall coaching record ever since that championship team, though. 2018, they went nine and seven. 2019, they went nine and seven as well. And then in 2020, they went four and eleven with one tie as well. And it's always kind of felt like they were underachieving. They've always had one of the better, more talented, um, one of the more talented up and down rosters in the league. You'd imagine they have dealt with injuries, with their secondary being kind of torn to shreds throughout the season or throughout the year and um, year after year. It kind of feels like as well. And then you know a middling quarterback situation with. Carson Wentz not being able to replicate what he was in that 2017 season. And then Nick Foles also not able to replicate what he did in that 2017 postseason. So it's kind of been up and down for them. Um, again, coming off a, a Doug Peterson is coming off a championship just a mere five years ago. And um, I mean, Jacksonville, regardless, they're not going to win. They're not going to be challenging for a championship anytime soon. I don't think, but Trevor Lawrence as a quarterback for the Jags is a good quarterback. You know, he didn't show, a lot of flashes of it this past season. Um, but again, that was a very toxic environment that he was working in um, in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer and that situation, that kind of becoming a a headline throughout the season. And um, that situation was just kind of a disaster for um, Trevor Lawrence. But I do think he is a very, so I think he is a solid quarterback. Um, I think he can, I think he'll be able to prove it this year under Doug Peterson. I think Doug Peterson has the right tools to make him a decent player. I think Carson Wentz kind of thrived in that system because of Doug Peterson back in 2017. Um, now, for whatever reason, he couldn't really replicate it. But I think that team was better because of Doug Peterson's um, ability to kind of call plays that helped Carson Wentz kind of thrive in his uh, in his forte, if you will. But ever since then, it hasn't really been the same, and they haven't really found an answer either. Um, but Trevor Lawrence, like I said, he's a very solid player. I don't think... Um, I, I don't know if he's better than Carson. I mean, I, I think he's more upside than Carson Wentz. I'll just say that. He did struggle this past season, but like I said, um, it was a very 
tumultuous, toxic environment. And it was probably not easy to play under a guy like Urban Meyer with everything that was going on around him. He had 602 attempts last year, 3,641 passing yards, 12 touchdowns to 17 interceptions. 17 interceptions were the most in the league, tied first for the most in the league. And um, yeah, that was a, it was a problem. But again, he was a rookie last year. He's still young, 22 years old, going to be 23 here pretty soon. And um, we'll see if Doug Peterson can bring out what everybody saw on Trevor Lawrence when he was first coming out of Clemson. Um, so Doug Peterson, new head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Moving on here, we got Brian Dable for the new, uh, the new York Giants. Uh, Brian Dable comes in as the former offensive coordinator for the uh, Buffalo Bills. Big loss for the Buffalo Bills. A lot of people kind of looked at Brian Dable as the guy that kind of built up uh, Josh Allen, if you will, kind of built Josh Allen into what he is today. Um, he was in Buffalo from 2018 to 2021. Before that, um, he didn't coach until, again, uh, uh, 2012, where he was an offensive, quarter for, offensive coordinator for Kansas City. In 2011, he was an offensive coordinator for the Dolphins. And then in 2010, 2009 to 2010, he was in Cleveland as offensive coordinator as well. Um, under Brian Dable, that offensive that offense in Buffalo was very good, especially recently. Uh, in 2021, they were one of the best offenses in the league, a top 10 offense, uh, according to PFF, in terms of grading, uh, an 81.1 overall grade on offense, one of the better passing grades in the league as well, um, top uh, top eight in the league in passing. And then in 20, uh, 2020, it was a pretty solid offense as well. Again, you're playing in Buffalo, so take that with a grain of salt as well. But their offense was even better in 2020. They were fifth in the league. In overall grade in offense uh, in 2019 under Brian Dable, um, progressively got a little bit better um, from 2018 to 2021, obviously. So they weren't as good in 2019, obviously. Uh, 24th in the league in offensive grade in 2018, they were 31st in the league in offense. So Josh Allen comes in, Brian Dable kind of coaches him up, and then, um, you know, Brian Dable and Josh Allen and that whole team kind of explodes on the scene as one of the better teams in the league and uh, becomes one of the best offenses in the league, rivaling a couple other top offenses as well. So Brian Dable deserving of a head coaching spot. We'll see what happens. We'll see, we'll see what he can do with um, uh, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones as quarterback in, in, in uh, New York as the, in the, with the giants, um, Daniel Jones, maybe a little too, Maybe a little underrated, I would say. He has fumble problems like Carson Wentz, but I think he, um, I think a lot of people kind of see what Daniel Jones can be, I think is what um, a lot of people can see. He didn't have a terrible grade last year, 71.1 overall grade from PFF, a 70.6 passing grade. Um, he only had 2,428 passing yards, uh, 10 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. So didn't really jump off the screen, but all the tangibles are there. He's six foot five, 221 pounds. He's 25, still pretty young. Um, so, Dable, I think, can kind of, if anybody can bring um, anything out of Daniel Jones, I think it'll be Brian Dable. So I think that's the right hire for them. Um, again, that team, the Giants in general, haven't been very good up and down uh, for a while. So, you know, just in terms of, you know, it's not like Daniel Jones is holding that team back or anything like that. That team just hasn't been very good for a long time in terms of, you know, roster construction, everything. Their defense is pretty good. Their front seven is pretty solid. They can stop the run pretty well. Um, but on offense, I mean, their offensive line hasn't been good. Their wideouts have struggled with injuries and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Saquon Barkley, one of their higher draft picks, also has tr- struggled with injuries. So there hasn't been a lot for Daniel Jones to really work with. 
And um, I think if anybody's going to bring it out of him, I think Brian Dable can probably do the best that he can to bring whatever he needs to bring out of uh, Daniel Jones to make him a better quarterback. A new one as well, Kevin O'Connell. He moved over to the Vikings from the Los Angeles Rams. Kevin O'Connell comes from the Rams. He started in 2019 as the offensive coordinator with Washington. And then in 2020, he moved to the Rams and was there until 2021 as the offensive coordinator as well. Uh, one of the f- rapid risers, I guess, if you'll want to say, as the um, offensive coordinator for the Rams and the uh, Washington team back in 2019. He's a, uh, you know, well, we don't know how much, I mean, it's hard, it's really hard to get a, an idea of how much he really did with the Rams, if that makes sense. It feels like Sean McVay is kind of the offensive guru for that team, um, for the Rams and, um, you know, but regardless of, as offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, 12th in the league, um, in offensive grading for the, uh, for the Rams back in 2020. And then in 2021, when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, excuse me, won the championship. Please don't sue me. Uh, they had a t- third in the league, third highest graded offensive rating for the Rams. So we'll see what the Vikings can do. They have Kirk Cousins still. I think Kirk Cousins under one more year under contract, if I remember right. But they have one of the best position groups in the league, I would argue. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, D- Dalvin Cook make up one of the best uh, trios of players in the league. I would say Justin Jefferson, one of the top five probably receivers in the league right now. So we'll see what Kevin O'Connell can kind of bring out of Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins and uh, Dalvin Cook to make them a more um, diverse offense than what they were. The Vikings were getting the past few years um, and a lot more offensive reliant, it feels like, than defensive reliant, which is what they've been kind of doing these past few years. Um, so we'll see what Kevin O'Connell can bring out of Kirk Cousins. Hopefully, hopefully it's something good. I pray as a Vikings fan that it's something good. I'm tired of watching mediocre play for the last few years and I want to see something at least different, at least a good, I'd rather see the Vikings struggle. I don't know. I don't know. I'd rather see, I think I'd rather see the Vikings lose a shootout than the Vikings lose a defensive, you know, a boring defensive game. I guess that's kind of the, the, the change in mindset um, as the game has expanded. Um, So yeah, anyways, uh, moving on another one, the dolphins, Mike McDaniel is their new head coach. He comes over from, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. He hasn't been coaching long either. Another fast riser. He was the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers for one year. And then he was hired as head coach. Um, as the uh, the head coach for the Miami Dolphins, he was a run game coordinator for the 49ers for a long time, from 2017 to 2020. Uh, 2020. And uh, of course, that 49ers run game has been potent ever since 2017. And even before that, really, ever since Kyle Shanahan got there, that offense or that um, run game coordinator, that run game has been very potent and has kind of changed the way we look at the run game as a whole. Mike McDaniel, again, just an offensive coordinator for one year. <clears throat> and they've got a lot, excuse me, and they've got a lot of uh, Miami, at least now, has a lot of skill position um, positives, I guess, that they have in previous years. A lot of people are saying they have the fastest offense in the league. They got Tyreek Hill from the Chiefs, which was a huge get for them. And they also have um, Jalen Waddell, who they drafted just a few years ago, who has been said to kind of be able to compete with uh, Tyreek Hill as fastest, one of the fastest players in the league. and um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you put speed on the field, it feels like that's kind of one of the um, overarching things that will give you an advantage regardless of who you're playing against. Speed kind of feels like it beats everything. We've watched Tyreek Hill 
um, year after year in Kansas City, just run by people, and that has been effective for Kansas City for you know as long as he's been there. So we'll see what Mike McDaniel can do. I'm I'm interested to see how they use him. Um, not just Tyree Kill, but Jalen Waddle, just in general, how they use their skill position players in the run game. Can you imagine? Um, I mean, what they did with Debo Samuel, the 49ers did with Debo Samuel last year. Can you imagine that with like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle? My mind's already exploding with a bunch of different ideas for offensive schemes and game plans that can kind of, it, it, you know, make the Dolphins the 49ers of, you know, today, of now. Um, and, you know, they have an average quarterback in Tua Tunga Vailoa, and he's been hard to assess because the Dolphins have had a historically bad offensive line these past few years. And, um, We'll see if, you know, if either Mike McDaniel can bring whatever we saw out of Tua Tangavaloa or if um, he can kind of hide him as they've kind of done with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. So we'll see what happens there. That's another new head coach. I'm trying to trying to kind of blow by, by these because there are a lot of them. We're trying to get to some other topics. Josh McDaniels went over to the Raiders. He comes from the uh, New England Patriots. He was the New England Patriots um, offensive coordinator and um, QB coach forever in New England, ever since he um, he was a head coach for the uh, the Denver Broncos. A lot of Broncos fans will remember that for the Denver Broncos in 2010, uh, 20, 2009 and 2010. And, um, you know, 2009, he got off to a really hot start. I think they started 8-0, and then they lost eight straight and missed the playoffs. And then in 2010, they went 3-9. and He was fired after week 13. But since then... Um, he has been an offensive coordinator in 2011 with the Rams and St. Louis. And then in, from 2012 to 2021, he's been an offensive coordinator with the New England Patriots, kind of rebuilding his reputation to become one of the better head coaching candidates that I feel like we've been listening for uh, Josh McDaniel's name as the next head coaching candidate forever now. And now he's finally getting his time once again. Um, those New England Patriots teams that he was offensive coordinator, of course, don't really need a whole lot of introduction. They were first in points in 2000 uh, or in 2012. And then basically every year since then, they were top five offense other than once Tom Brady left. But even, you know, during Tom Brady's time, he won a bunch of rings with that team um, and, you know, commanded one of the best offenses, you know, in, in recent memory in terms of consistency. Now you can question if that was just because of Tom Brady, he's the goat or it's a mix of both. Um, you know, just depends. We'll see what happens. Um, he's going into a, a team that does have decent skill position players, especially with the Rams get, or excuse me, with the Raiders getting Devontae Adams. Derek Carr has been kind of an underrated quarterback for these past few years. They are playing in a very difficult position, um, a division, excuse me. And um, we'll have to see what happens there. But like I said, Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the game, probably the best receiver in the game. And David, or um, Derek Carr, excuse me, one of the most underrated quarterbacks, I would say, in the league. And uh, Devontae Adams and Carr both um, have chemistry already as they were quarterback and receiving mates back in college. So they already have the chemistry down. It'll just be, it'll just depend on, you know, the rest of the team kind of coming together and having it all come as one and be one. You know, they were already a wild card team last year. Now they just need to take that extra step to becoming a contender. But again, very tough division. It's going to be tough week in, week out for the Raiders and uh, we'll just have to see what happens. And uh, next on the list, Nathaniel Hackett. We talked about him already a little bit. He's moved on to the Broncos. Dennis Allen. He went over to the saints. Dennis Allen was a uh, defensive coordinator for the uh, 
the uh, Saints for a while from 2015 to 2021. And uh, those uh, those teams that he was able to de- defensive coordinate were very good um, under his uh, under his tutelage, if you will, but very solid. Um, they started off pretty well, pretty rough, but over the past few years, 2020 and 2021, they were top five defenses and points and in yards, um, top 10 in yards um, these past two years. And then even before that, they were top 15, top 10, pretty much sporadically over these past few years. So um, we'll see what happens with Dennis Allen. He's the head coach now for, for the saints. So he got upgraded from uh, hired as an in-house coach uh, as um, Sean Payton stepped away from the game. So um, not, you know, a whole lot of change there other than just maybe uh, maybe a transfer of uh, philosophy, if you will, um, as a defensive coordinator steps up and takes the reins as a head coach rather than Sean Payton, who's kind of an offensive mastermind and has been their head coach for a while. So um, that's one that steps up. And then Todd Bowles with um, the Bucks stepping up from um, to his defensive coordinator position. He steps up and becomes head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's been, feels like kind of waiting in line as a coach in waiting, if you will, forever as uh, Bruce Arians was kind of, it didn't feel like he was on his way out, if that makes sense, but he is, you know, he was just getting older, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, but he's been the defensive coordinator for Tampa for since 2019. And, um, 2020, 2021, they were one of the better defenses in the league. Um, eighth in points allowed and fifth in points allowed in 2021. In 2020, it was eighth. And then in yards, it was uh, sixth in 2020, 13th in 2021. And he's kind of, like I said, he's been kind of waiting in the wing, it feels like, for a while. And um, he was the head coach for the Jets for a while back in 2011. And then in 2015 to 2018, he was the head coach for the Jets. Um, but, you know, Jets are kind of a joke just in terms of an organization in whole. Um, under Todd Bowles, they went 10 and six in 2015 and then 2016, they were five and 11, 2017, they were five and 11 and then 2018, they were four and 12. So, um, he's got a little bit of head coaching history, but you know, ever since he left, it feels like the team he went to as a defensive coordinator has gotten better. So, uh, we'll see what happens there. Those are the big head coaching changes. Uh, recently we've got a couple marquee position battles as well. Um, Pittsburgh, Rookie quarterback will battle with Mitch with uh, Mitch Trubisky in Carolina. We got Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Uh, there are also question marks in Seattle, where Geno Smith and Drew Locke will battle it out. Those are all uh, marquee position battles across the league during training camp that we'll have to take an eye, uh, you know, um, keep an eye on. Um, we got a couple rookies that are going to be fun to watch. Um, there were six receivers picked in the first 16, 18 picks. A lot of eyes will be on Drake Lo- uh, Drake London with the Falcons, Garrett Wilson with the Jets, Chris Olave with the Saints, and Jamison Williams with the Lions. And we also have some holdouts that are coming up as well. Um, Debo Samuels holding out with the 49ers. Linebacker Roquan Smith with the Bears is holding out. Wide receiver DK Metcalf is expected to hold out with the Seahawks. Tight end Dalton Schultz with the Cowboys. And offensive tackle Orlando Brown. Uh, is holding out with the Chiefs. There, there are those are rumored holdouts. So their stances could change. Those are expected to be holdouts, though. And um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. That's training camp. Training camp is happening. A little bit of a preview of what we've got going on heading into these next few weeks as training camp kind of um, begins uh, with the storylines and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, football is only a little bit away, only a couple, almost a month away, and we'll be watching preseason football like it's the regular season all over again. That Hall of Fame game, we'll be watching it with keen eyes, if you will. So that's um, training camp storylines. And then we're going to move on here pretty quickly to 
Um, the trade deadline, trade deadline for baseball is coming up. It'll be up here in August, August 2nd. So next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern is when the deadline is officially done. So 4 p.m. or excuse me, 6 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. our time, 4 p.m. Mountain time. Um, and things have been pretty quiet on the trade deadline front, to be honest. It kind of feels like it's kind of building up to a big, um, you know, overhaul of trades and stuff like that. We've got a bunch of names that are expected to be traded. Um, the big one that everybody's keeping their eyes on, uh, Juan Soto, he rejected a huge, huge contract extension with the Nationals just a week ago. I think it was like 15 years for $440 million or something like that. Uh, he rejected the offer from them and he will more than likely be traded. Um, Juan Soto is one of the best hitters in the league, bar none, period, no questions asked. Um, we'll have to see what happens. There are a lot of names that are, are, there are a lot of teams that are very interested in him. Basically every team in the league is interested in Juan Soto. No team would not want Juan Soto on their team, but regardless, there's only a couple teams that can kind of afford him. If that makes sense, just like everybody else. Um, Padres are a big name. They need a left-handed bat that can provide power in the outfield. Um, the Blue Jays feel like they're kind of a bat away, and Juan Soto would be that bat. They're a bat away from really going over the top, especially opposite um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That would be a huge pickup for them. The Cardinals are another team that have uh, kind of hinted that they're looking to trade for him. Um, um, he looks like, uh, you know, the Cardinals look like they've kind of, uh, it feels like they've had the most noise, I guess, is what I'd feel like I would say around uh, trading for Juan Soto, and that would put them over the top as well. They're a very defensive-oriented team in the outfield. Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, also a very good defensive player, and uh, Dylan Carlson as well in the outfield. And adding adding um, Juan Soto would be huge for them, and really would would really make them take that leap in the NL Central, and that would be big for them as well as another left-handed bat. Um, another team, of course, because they're in every conversation. Uh, the New York Yankees looking to add. Soto as well, as well as the Dodgers. I mean, the two teams that spend the most money are going to be the ones that uh, are going to be the ones that uh, are going to be on this list for basically everybody. So see what happens. It's not like, and again, it's not like you're getting somebody um, that's old. The guy's 23 years old and he's one of the best hitters in the league. Um, He's going to be one of, when he is traded, he's probably going to become one of the most significant young player trades since, you know, Babe Ruth, when he was 24 years old, got traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees. Or, you know, Alex Rodriguez, that sort of thing. He's going to be put as a name on that list as one of the most prominent young players to ever be traded, uh, regardless, no matter where he goes. Um, and Soto fits basically every team, and he's one of the best players. On the, once he, No matter what team he goes to, he immediately will be one of the best players on said team once he gets there. So we'll see what happens with Juan Soto. That's a big one. Uh, another one, Wilson Contreras for the Cubs, the catcher for the Cubs. He's had a very outstanding year. He was an all-star this season with the Cubs and, um, you know, the Cubs not really playing for anything at this point. They're kind of rebuilding back up to be a championship caliber team. And Wilson Contreras will be looking to get offloaded as a contract that's eating up numbers. So Wilson Contreras will probably get traded. A couple other names, Andrew Benintendi with the Royals outfielder for the Royals, another name that's kind of just eating up money. And, um, as they try to kind of rebuild through the draft and get prospects and stuff, Andrew Benintendi is going to be probably traded from the Royals. Luis Castillo with the Reds, who's been a starting pitcher with the Reds for feels like forever. Um, but again, he's just another name as they try to a lot of these teams obviously are just trying to rebuild and have as little money on the payroll as possible. And Luis Castillo for the Reds is another one of those names. Brian Reynolds with the Pirates, switch hitting outfielder. Um, another name. 
another guy that another team that's just trying to rebuild. They already have the pirates already have kind of a marquee guy that they're going to look to build around in O'Neill Cruz and Brian Reynolds are not going to try to extend anytime soon. So they're just going to get rid of his name, get rid of him off of the books Ian half for the Cubs as well. Trey Mancini, who's been with the Orioles forever as well. Another guy, another guy they're just going to try to get prospects out of Joey Gallo with the Yankees is possibly another one just because of how, um, Bad, I guess, is a probably a fair, a fair word. Um, Joey Gallo has been for the Yankees. He's been pretty disappointing ever since they traded for him. Um, I believe that was last year, early last year during the trade deadline as well. And um, he's been pretty disappointing for the Yankees, and they'll look to get basically whatever they can out of Joey Gallo. Um, another one for the Nationals is Josh Bell. They're switch hitting first baseman. He's been very good for them. And um, they'll look to get him off the payroll as well as they try to rebuild. And then Tyler, uh, Tyler Manley from the Reds as well will be another name that will be keen to look to get traded um, as the Reds try to rebuild as well. There's a bunch of other names, you know, uh, Sean Murphy from the A's, Jose Quintana from the Pirates, Michael Fulmer from the Tigers, JD Martinez from the Red Sox as well as the name that will probably get traded. Uh, Nathan Avaldi from the Red Sox as well, will probably get traded. So a bunch of different names, uh, David Bednar from the Pirates, who was just an all-star will probably look to get traded who they can get prospects out of a lot of names that'll probably be sitting in new places. Um, this time next week, literally this time next week, come 4 PM next week on August 2nd. So we'll see what happens. Um, but the big name again, big, big name to keep your eye out on will be Juan Soto. He will almost certainly be dealt, um, before the trade trade deadline next week. And it's only a matter of time to see who will undoubtedly get better because they have Juan Soto on their team. So that's a look at the trade deadline. Um, that's coming up. Like I said, we'll see what happens. A lot, a lot of these names that I just said will probably be on new teams this time next week. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's going to wrap up the show, I think. Um, we talked a lot about training camp. Football's right around the corner, which makes me happy. It's um, going to be fun this year. Kind of feels a little more wide open, even though the AFC feels a little more, um, not decided, but a two-team race in the Bills. And the um, and the Chiefs, but again, you know the Bengals are coming off going to the championship, so who knows? Their football is kind of a weird sport; anything can kind of happen, and that's kind of what we saw last year with the Bengals going all the way to the big game. So, again, football's right around the corner. We're gonna make all these crazy headlines and crazy ideas of what's gonna happen, and that's the glory of training camp week and talking about football in late July. So, beautiful game, love football. Um, all right, that's gonna wrap up the show. I want to thank you very much for tuning in the weekend sports wrap podcast uh, make sure to rate and subscribe i would really appreciate that if you'd leave me a rating and uh yeah like i said you've been listening to the weekend sports wrap podcast i've been your host james timberlake <laughs>